Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello and welcome yet again to the WP Builds Podcast. This is episode 61, entitled Eric Ham has built a cool new self-hosted IDE for you. It was published on the 1st of February 2018. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England, and I'll be joined a little bit later by David Wormsley so that we can have our regular discussion. In this case, it's Do You Need to Know Code? Um, and you'll find out our thoughts on that a little bit later. As always, if you could share this by going to the wpbuilds.com website and pressing the buttons underneath the player, that would be most helpful. Five-star iTunes reviews go down really well. Please join the Facebook group, the WP Builds Facebook group, over at wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. If you go to forward slash subscribe, you can join and receive our newsletter and forward slash advertise to put an advert in the podcast. We had a competition um, during the last couple of weeks. It was for two lifetime licenses for Ultimate Dashboard Pro. And we actually announced the winners um, yesterday. And the winners were Lauren Moorland and Colin Cartwright. So hopefully David, the uh, the the what's the word the creator that'll do the developer of the plugin will be in touch with you via email so yeah thanks for taking part everybody that did i'm sorry that you couldn't all win but hey ho that's how it goes right let's get on with the news there's a not a lot of news to be honest uh, this week especially wordpress news so very briefly WordPress is 15 years old, and on the 25th of January in 2003, at 3.58pm UK time, Mike wrote the following thing. Oh, Mike being Mike Little. Matt, if you're serious about forking B2, I would be interested in contributing. I'm sure there are one or two others in the community who, who would be too. Perhaps a post to the B2 forum suggesting a fork would be a good starting point. And so it was. 15 years later, we are now well into the millions and millions of downloads of the B2 fork from Mike Little and Matt Mullenweg, which is called WordPress. (laughs) Brilliant. Okay, um, this is on the Beaver Builder website. It's a, it's a post um, all about advanced WordPress websites you can now build with Beaver Thema. It's written by Hashim Warren, and basically it goes through a few of the use cases for Beaver Builder. For example, uh, e-commerce sites, membership sites, resource directories, lead generation, and, and so on, and, and how he's managed to achieve these reasonably complicated websites with a page builder, in this case, Beaver Builder. Certainly worth a read. I got a lot out of it. And as we all know, I I do use Beaver Builder. So the next one is what's new in WordPress 3.3? Well, to cut a long story short, revamped order screens, shop display improvements and stock management improvements. There's not a lot more to say, really. Everything just looks a little bit better and acts a bit slicker. On the 
WPMU dev website, 17 Chrome extensions that you might like to take a look at. I, I mean, I used to read these kind of articles all the time and got weary of them, but then I thought, I haven't opened one of these for ages. And so I did. And actually, some of these Chrome extensions are pretty cool. And a few of them are, you know, old school window resizer, nothing new there. Um, page roller, nothing new there. But things like instant wireframe, you get a page and you click a button and it turns the entire page into a wireframe, which I thought was quite cool. Um, and things like link checkers and what's the font and all of that sort of stuff. Anyway, go and check it out if that's your bag. And lastly, CoinHive, the crypto mining online software, um, is now being, you know, it, basically hackers are infecting WordPress websites with this stuff so that they take your users' CPU cycles to mine a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of cryptocurrency. Uh, Honestly, when will this stuff come to an end? But there we go. Just maybe worth checking that your platform is not infected. But this is serious stuff. People trying to make money out of your visitors. Honestly, what is the world coming to? That's it. That's all I've got to say about the news from this week. So we'll move over in just a moment to our discussion about do you know to uh, do you need to know code? Right at the end, the little ending fact is SVG, scalable vector graphics. But also, after the discussion, we'll have an interview with Eric Ham, who has built a very, very cool new tool called Instant IDE, which is a self-hosted IDE, which is basically sort of like a PHP script. It doesn't rely on WordPress. It sits outside of the WordPress directory, which is probably a good thing in case you screw something up with the IDE. Um, and it's very cool, and he talks about it at great length and describes it and, you know, um, basically does a good job of uh, telling you why you perhaps need to have it. Anyway, there we go. So I'll pass you over now to the discussion between David and I. I hope you enjoy episode 61. And today's topic is, can you make client... Actually, we need to add this WordPress websites without knowing any code. And this one comes through the Beaver Builder Facebook group where somebody posed a question about whether using Beaver Builder or Elementor was going to be best for them as a non-coder making client sites. And, well, a really interesting debate occurred on whether professional web designers could actually manage without any coding skills. So, Nathan, what's your gut reaction on that? Um it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because it's it's all centered around the the word professional. Um, mm. And to me, the word professional kind of feels like you're getting paid for it. It's your job. Mm. Um, and so if you're getting paid to make websites and you don't really know anything about code, uh, you're a professional. And so it can it can absolutely be done. Now, I suppose the, the debate would move on and ask, whether or not it's better to know code. And I think in any in any situation, it's better to know more about something than less. So mm. in answer to the question, can it be done? Yes, absolutely. And, and But I think only really recently could you have said that. And um, in answer to the sort of follow-on question, if you like, it, what, is, it, is, it as, mm. is it as good as it could be if you don't know any code? Well, no, the answer is no. It's probably better to know some code. Um, I guess the code that you're talking about would be HTML, CSS, and a little bit of scripting. Mm. Would that be right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just really the debate came up. I think, you know, it's interesting because my first gut reaction to that is, oh, you need some code if you're doing it as a professional. Because when I started first looking at building sites back 
what is it, 11 years ago, 2006, I think, when I started reading. I, I was interested in it as a potential future career. And I, I remember, you know, listening to podcasts and reading articles and that, you know, web designer skills were definitely, you needed to know those front end skills, HTML, CSS, and ideally you would have those scripting skills, you know, PHP or GS with WordPress, certainly. And yeah, so that stuck with me all the time. So in a way, I've not updated my thinking because of page builders. Mm. I suppose you and I both started in an era where you simply couldn't produce anything without knowledge of CSS. In fact, I I began when it was all tables. Um, Luckily, I only had about six months of that before CSS um, was was widely being adopted. And I quickly dropped the tables because that was pure hell on earth. Uh, yeah. to get anything to line up, you know, images, borders, anything. It was a nightmare. Um, and then CSS came along and suddenly everybody in the industry had this steep learning curve where they had to learn the, the basics of CSS. And so I, I can still see on my shelf, I've got a few books, um, sort of primers on CSS. And I spent mm. many hours poring over it and trying experiments and seeing what would work. But um but then my knowledge about that has kind of ground to a halt. And certainly in the last maybe maybe three or four years, I haven't really invested a great deal of time keeping up with the very, very latest things because I've ended up using CMSs like Drupal and WordPress and, and they mm. handle an awful lot of this stuff. And so my my job has kind of become somebody that connects WordPress to a desired output. So, you know, um, custom fields and custom post types and making it look in a certain way. And then, of course, page builders come along and kind of further abstract the need for Mm. these, for these, you know, this knowledge. Um, So, yeah, I think it is possible to do it. But there's, I mean, do you find yourself, David, tinkering with CSS, um, even though you're a, a big user of page builders? Do you find yourself wrangling with html and css and and javascript or anything like that i do actually well Mm. i think i hardly touch html now because of the page builders in fact you know i have to pause and think when i have to do something simple like write an anchor text manually so really but css i think you know maybe that's the kind of deal because most of the time i'm doing work for somebody else's clients and my role in a way which I get sometimes called developer, which isn't true, is to kind of fix up a lot of those problems. So maybe I, I do it a lot more because, you know, I've got somebody else who's doing most of the site on their own. <laughs> I'm just fixing the problems. But yeah, it is it is daily that I'm in there doing some manual CSS, I think. Yeah, I, I would say that I've yet to build a site ever where I don't fiddle with the CSS. Increasingly with page builders, I don't fiddle with any HTML at all. Um, And I I use the inspector or I know in your case, you use things like visualizer and things, whatever tool you've got. I examine the the output of the HTML and locate the, the bit of CSS that I need um, and then fiddle that, you know, it might be a question of adding a background color or margins or padding or something like that. Um, yeah. And I'll I'll use CSS to to fiddle with the layout that's already there. And I have to say, in most cases, the the page builders and the the sort of add-on packs that you can get for them, mm. now that they're so so mature and they've spent so much time adding in all these different features, there's very very few use cases that I have got because I'm not designing something utterly unique. 
um, where simply using one of those modules doesn't do the trick. Most of the time I can think, oh yeah, I want to achieve this. That module will work very nicely, Mm. um, but I just need it to, you know, behave slightly differently in terms of colors and spacing and padding and all of those kind of things. Yes. I think, you know, that's a key part of it. There is one other thing that I just thought about uh, is, is that we've now also got all those new um, CSS editors that kind of Mm. take the thinking out of it. So CSS hero and yellow pencil, two examples of ones where they maybe not, churn out the best code it tends to be overqualified, but it does allow you to kind of do a lot of styling without really understanding any css do you know that hadn't occurred to me but of course that's absolutely right you've got uh, micro thema thrown into that mix as well and then there's did mm-hmm. you mention css hero i think um yeah yeah and and i guess the, the problem um the problem that you might encounter with those kind of tools is that um you know you, you get a far down a, a rabbit hole and then you've got to sort of undo things and that can be that can be a little bit difficult but they absolutely work so you know to to build the actual html wordpress works to to create um unique looking pages or posts well a page builder will do that and then increasingly the sophistication of tools like yellow pencil or microthema allow you to make it look exactly how you want it so yeah maybe i'm changing mm. my mind during this episode maybe truly you could be employed and not know any of those things yeah i think the thing is you know if we let's say you've got work and um, you couldn't handle it, so you were wanting to recommend it to somebody you knew. Would you recommend your clients onto somebody who you knew didn't have those coding skills, but say they were particularly good at design or something, so that you know they made up for it, or they were good at marketing, so your client would get something you know from them in value, but they just didn't know the code. Would you still be reluctant because they didn't know some of that stuff? Yeah, I think that that is an interesting thing about WordPress is that there's so many people in the WordPress space who have particular niches on knowledge. Um, mm. I'm not going to mention any names, but I can think of a handful of people who probably, if I was to quiz them about it, wouldn't really know much about any of the code, but are experts yeah. at say the funnel um making a making a a lead capture or something like that and they have a really you know that that is absolutely their niche and they can do it really well having said that i i usually either refer people away from me because their budget's not big enough and i Mm. i have a few people on my books uh who are quite happy to take um quick jobs where the budget is smaller than i can accommodate but equally, there's a few people that I've referred to in the past because the, the breadth and depth of what is required is beyond what I'm actually capable of. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, I think the more you know, probably the, the more more you can charge. I think there must be some sort of relationship between if you if you are an absolute expert in CSS and mm. let's say HTML5 and JavaScript, I think it's inevitable that you you wouldn't be looking for low paid work. You you would be looking to command a higher fee and be working in a you know in an important capacity in some company. Yeah, maybe. But on the other side of it, maybe if you know your marketing well and you can advise mm. people how they can lay out their their sites to be most effective, even if the code's a little bit wobbly underneath, they probably earn a client more money than I would have done fanning around with my uh, CSS. Yeah, I think I think there's. It's absolutely clear that you can build yeah. um, a, a decent web page. I guess the 
the difficulty arises when the client does want something. Um, well, an example might be: can you can you make the menu behave in a slightly different way? And of course, if yeah. you don't know anything about how uh, WordPress handles those things, or you don't know anything about HTML or CSS, you're stuck, aren't you? And, and you're basically <laughs> going to have to say, no, the, the menu behaves like that and tough. Um, yes. And I guess most clients aren't going to accept that, or they would. I don't know. My, my experience would be that most clients would think that would be a reasonable thing to say, and I can do that, so it's not a problem. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, well, that's the interesting. That, that's when... I thought in a way, I think it's a bit about managing client expectations about the skills or what you offer, isn't it? Because I'm actually moving away from that because I, you know, largely it's been lowish budget clients that we have, but they often look around the web and they see something that they'd quite like the look of. It might not be good for their site, but they want it. And a lot of our time is spent doing something that doesn't actually help them in their aims because we don't have good control over it. But I think, you know, if you've got client expectations say look i build you the site like this most of what i can do will will you know do what you need um but there's my limits there it costs a lot more money if i have to go and start moving around your header and, and make your navigation change mm. and uh, yeah so that would probably you know i'm arguing again for the yes you can do it as long as you can tell the clients that they don't necessarily or there's restrictions and then you could hire somebody anyway couldn't you yeah i guess it's a hard conversation to have at the beginning of a project though isn't it because you often find yourself in those meetings and the client says can it do this can it do this and you know that it can um but you also kind of think well within the budget i'm not sure i have a tendency to just say yes to everything and then regret it later um (laughs) which is something i've really got to deal with but um yeah, I think I think it's okay to pass things over to people with more experience, but it's a difficult conversation to have at the outset to say, well, it can it'll only be able to do this and it'll only be able to do that because you're you're putting barriers in front of the client who hasn't yet signed on the dotted line um, mm. to sort of say, well, there are limitations in what you can do with the menu. It can only do this and it can only do that. And that, that, you know, of course, that would extend yeah. to, to anything. They might ask about what the user permissions might be and so on and so forth. Um, and so at the at the outset saying, well, I'm only able to do these things, that must yeah. turn them off, I would have thought, because they'd be hoping that you're the expert and can basically solve any problem, which, of course, you can't. Yes, that's it. And it's who's leading the, you know, this is often one of the problems. I remember, actually, there was a great article that somebody wrote about, you know, particularly about Beaver Builder in the early days, you know, just making a plea really to all people like us, just like, you know, just knock out those websites quickly using what's already there because that builds you a perfectly effective website. Why get caught up in wasting money on stuff that doesn't make you more money? Mm. And that's often what happens when you let clients lead the design, you know, they fancy something, can you do it? If you lead that way round, so I guess you could, you know, you, well, going back to the, the question, can you still do it without code? You can if you just say, look, this is what I do. I'm an expert in design and marketing and I can build the websites here, but I'm not an expert in moving around these sort of minor things. I, I stick to what works in 95% of the cases. Yeah, I guess I guess a good analogy would be sort of something like architecture or something. You know, yes, you can yeah. have the the superbly weird design if you really, really need it, but you just want an office block, um, and the office <laughs> block is going to have straight walls and 
you know doors and lifts and and I can do all of that because I've done all that before but as soon as you want the you know the uh, the on the roof pool and the bits sticking out the side of the building there you know it's getting a little bit strange a little bit out there and we might need to bring somebody else in or I'm going to charge you more for the time that those kind of things take Yes, but we're all kind of, you know, my first thought when I hear this, you know, can I do this without code for client sites, professional sites, you know, and I think, oh, they're a bit of a charlatan. But, you know, when I think about it, so am I, because, you know, people think I'm a developer, but I understand the structure of WordPress and, you know, I understand what's going on with PHP and JavaScript, but can't write the stuff, you know. Yes, yes, I think that's uh, totally fair enough. The output is the point, isn't it? Um, yeah. And so the measure for somebody might be, can I see a web page after I've paid for it? And uh, yep, there it is. It's The <laughs> SEO is terrible. The design is really awful. But there it is. <laughs> I am a professional web um, website builder. And then, of course, I guess more more thought goes in. You know, the budget goes up and the SEO gets better and the design looks a little bit more yeah. up to date. Um, so, yeah, I guess the answer has to be yes, you can. Now, yes. certainly within the last two years, build perfectly respectable websites without knowledge of HTML, CSS, or any kind of scripting language. Are they going to be the best? No, but are, <laughs> are, are they are they possible? Certainly. There's a couple of negatives that people put in about not having skills, which we might just want to just throw mm, in there. I think and they so. were about about maintenance about being able to look after the sites once they're built if yes. something goes wrong can you fix it if you don't know where to pinpoint where your problem might be yes and again i suppose that comes down to to, to what you've organized at the beginning if you've yeah. if you've done a very very cheap website and the client is just just give me a website you know it's fine mm. i don't mind about all that stuff then that's fine you know caveat emptor but if um if you charge top dollar and and you I guess there must be some part of you that's thinking I am really flying by the seat of my pants here, um <laughs> I really don't know what I'm doing and I've I've handed over this website and please please don't break, um, and then of course <laughs> it does break and you know the whole can of worms gets open and you realise I don't know what to do. But that's what these sort of forums are about. And nobody knows everything. And, and even the most expert coders in the world continually hit problems and have to rely yeah. on the wider community to fix things. So I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's my, that's, my, <laughs> that's my take on that. Yeah, I guess. And, and most of the time we're buying software where it gets supported anyway. So if something goes wrong with an existing site, chances are, they will fix it. The only the only thing that would hold you back is knowing which supplier to contact if you didn't quite know how things might have broken. Mm, That's a, yeah the only downside, I think. I, I guess mm. I guess the internet and the web and web pages. It's an evolving thing, you know. There was a requirement to understand tables and and HTML, and there was a, then there was a requirement to understand HTML and CSS. Um, and then a bit of JavaScript that was mm. essential. And then, you know, enough time passes that people evolved and built tools to make mm. a lot of those, to be honest, really tedious tasks obsolete. Um, mm. And so it, it seems a bit strange to to sort of imply that, no, no, we've got to be held back. We, you've got to be able to code because that's how it's always been done. Well, the internet's not that old anyway. You know, it wasn't around when I was a child. Um, mm. And in 50 years' time, my expectation is that 
you know, you'll be talking to machines and moving your eyes to make things move on the page. You know, I want that blob to be moved over there. Yeah, a little bit further, a little bit, and redder. Make it redder. No, a different red, darker. <laughs> you know, um, and so then there'll be questions of, well, that's not a real website because yeah. it was all done with artificial intelligence. Well, it still looks like a website to me. Yeah. There is one thing, though. Would you just, you know, would you say in that, there are tools that come up to make it easy. One thing I have noticed with people who don't understand WordPress very well or or code very well is that they will go and buy a solution or, uh, yes. or download one from the and and it's often you know it's slowing down sites or it's potentially making more bugs appear on the site, more conflicts because um, that's often a way, isn't it? There's so many times you see somebody go and buy a plugin or or going people recommend a plugin where it's just a simple animation over an image, a rollover or yep. something. And it's a yeah, a heavy plugin comes in with loads and loads more CSS added because it needs to have control over lots of other things. But you could have done it with a few lines of CSS. Mm. You know? I, I think that's the drawback of the popularity of WordPress. It has many benefits, mm. but one of the big drawbacks is there's a plugin for everything. And yeah. <laughs> in most cases, excuse me, in most cases, you simply don't need it. I had a really good mm. example the other day where I I had a problem. It was to do with the WordPress admin area, as it happens. I needed a certain display in a certain way. And and I I found by Googling, I immediately found there was a plugin which handled it. And so I looked at this and thought, oh, that's great. And then I thought, well, you know what? This can't be that hard. And within about half an hour, I'd managed to work out the solution. So not only did I save myself the cost of the plugin, but I'd learned something new and it did exactly what I needed. Um, yes. So I, I think, yeah, plugin overabundance is, is not necessarily a good thing. But then equally, it's why it's popular because millions of people yeah. use it because there's a plugin for that. And if I want it to, um, if I want the button to look that shape, there's probably a plugin that will make it animate in that way. So, you know, you can't have it, you can't cut it both ways, can you? WordPress is popular because this happens and it's an Achilles mm. heel. It can make otherwise mm. good websites into, you know, slow loading leviathans. <laughs> hey, we've done it, I think. Yep. So we really started from the offset, we decided, didn't we? And we've still ended up in the same place that yeah. you can definitely do it without code. You can make a living. Yes. Websites yep. And I think um, I think there's no need to feel any sort of any lack of um, what's the word prestige just because of that. Um, yeah. I know I don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Moving on. We'll um, well we'll we'll go to today's interview. Yeah. Okay. So today we're interviewing for the second time, and I think this is the first time that we've interviewed somebody for the second time. If that sentence makes sense, we've got Eric Ham on the line. Hi, Eric. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Eric's joining us from the United States. He's kindly got up at, uh, not ridiculously early, but he's very kindly decided to talk to us during the middle of the Christmas holiday. So thanks for that. And um, we're here primarily to talk about one thing and one thing only. Um, maybe we'll drift into Cobalt Apps regular stuff, but uh, perhaps not because Eric, a little while ago, a few months it feels like now, uh, beta launched and then now has officially launched 1.0 of something called Instant IDE or IIDE. Um, I guess you all know what an IDE is, but Eric, if you just want to tell us what an IDE is before we get stuck into the meat and the potatoes. Sure. Uh, yeah, so basically an IDE, um, 
which I'm totally going to blank on this one. Uh, what is it? Uh, in it's uh, something development environment. Yeah, I know it's development environment. Is it independent? I, 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 I don't independent, know. Yeah, in, I think it's independent development environment. That's terrible that I don't you know. know <laughs> anyway, so the acronym, uh, you know, um, but uh, yeah, so an I, you know, an IDE is basically uh, your your kind of preferred environment for developing web applications. You know, for the most part. I mean, I guess you could say any application. It could be, uh, you know, uh, you know, a mobile app or something like that or whatever. But but in this particular case, you know, like a web app. So for example, um, there are a lot of cloud, like I use cloud nine, um, you know, a lot as well. There's a lot of cloud, you know, IDs out there and, um, and, you know, it's basically, you've got your, uh, file browser, um, uh, you've got your, uh, code editor and oftentimes you have some kind of console or terminal or something like that. Um, all in, you know, kind of, uh, in frames on a single page, uh, not, you know, usually, um, so that you could kind of have it all right there in front of you. And it just gives you all the, the tools that you need to, you know, to develop, uh, applications and things like that. So, uh, so instant IDE, for example, is, is simply, uh, kind of that, uh, but, but it built into a kind of, uh, run on your browser, you know, built right into your server, um, you know, installed through a WordPress plugin kind of thing. So it's, it's basically <laughs> your IDE, but all wrapped in nice little bundle package that you can just kind of magically, you know, appear on your site, use, and then if you want to, you can, you know, remove it very easily and all that kind of stuff. So I am, um, I've, I have a tradition of using a Mac and, and I've got Mac apps. I, I'm kind of a, a bit of a sucker for buying things like this. And I've, I've settled on Coda, which is produced by Panic, which is my IDE of choice. So I have no reason to, to sort of grind against the other ones. I just like that one. Is there any reason why, well, I can think of a bunch of reasons, but maybe you could posit why you would want to have an online IDE as opposed to one which is, you know, working on your, your Mac or your yeah. PC. Right. So, okay. So a couple things, um, I guess I'll jump back a little bit, uh, because I know for me, I, you know, for the longest time I would always use sublime, mm. you know, sublime text and, uh, uh, as for my, as for my editor and, you know, if I'm on my Mac, I would use, um, I use this, um, uh, this browser, uh, file browser called forklift, yep. which is, uh, yeah. So it's really nice, uh, you know, dual pane, you yep. know, whatever it's got FTP built in. And, um, and so I'd use that and then, um, uh, and so that was kind of my, my setup and everything. Um, but I, a couple of years ago, um, started working off of a Chromebook for just a period of time. Part of it was just kind of like, I was curious if I could, you know, I've always, um, I, if I could run my business off of a, you know, $300 Chromebook, uh, for, you know, I, so I did it for six months, you know, just for, to see, and it actually worked pretty well. I was able to pretty much do everything. It wasn't quite as efficient you know, with some things as I could be, but for the most part, I was able to do it all and it was pretty cool. But what it forced me to do is to put my IDE in the cloud. So that's when I started using cloud nine. And, um, I actually, you know, there was a short transition period of kind of, you know, um, you know, getting used to it. And then I actually got to a point where I actually much prefer, uh, working in the cloud than yep. I do working locally. And, um, so now I, I actually use Atom right now locally, uh, just, um, just 
for something different than Sublime, but, um, uh, and I still use forklift and everything like that. But I, when I basically probably 95% of the time work off the, you know, work in the cloud and the other 5%, it's kind of out of necessity. So if I need to work on some local files, I'll pop it into Adam and, you know, whatever. Uh, but it's when I do, I even feel slightly uncomfortable or whatever, because I'm just so used to being able to be in the cloud and, and kind of have it all like that. And obviously one huge advantage of being in the cloud is that you can, you know, be on any computer right. and it doesn't, it's not, you know, connected to a specific piece of hardware. Now, having said that, one of the big questions that people have is why would you want to use something like what's the benefit of instant IDE over something like cloud nine or, or another common question. I'm trying to remember, what is it? Um, uh, what's it code that? anywhere? Yeah. Code anywhere. So code anywhere was the big question. I was like, well, there you go. There's code anywhere. And uh, I think there's another one that's actually similar to instant IDE. And I wasn't even aware of it until I had it in beta. Somebody you mentioned, I forgot. It's called uh, uh, can't remember code something or whatever. <laughs> anyway, but it's basically similar in that it 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 installs on the server and and things like that. And so I was like, oh, that is actually quite similar, much more similar than say Code Anywhere, which actually is on their servers, and then you kind of FTP in, yep, yep. and then it pulls it in and everything. Um, either way, there's still ma you know major differences and and whatnot. Uh, but I would say the most common thing is is like Code Anywhere, something like that. So. Uh, if you're in the cloud, that's a nice advantage because you can have it all centralized and you can kind of access all your different stuff mm. from there. So I'm not even saying it's a better thing, like, you know, Instant ID is better because of this. It's just different. And I think in some cases you might prefer code anywhere. In some cases you might prefer Instant IDE. So I'll kind of try to explain the, the main thing. So Instant IDE is, um, it, you can technically install it on its own without using the Instant IDE Manager WordPress plugin. Uh, but but I distribute Instant IDE through the, the Manager plugin. So in other words, if you were to download the Manager plugin zip file and, and unzip it, you would find an IDE uh, folder, and inside that is Instant IDE. Right. So you could literally just upload that straight to your uh, the root of your server, and then you could go to the Instant IDE you know, subfolder and log in, or you know, create your little account and log in, and then you, you've got it right there without having to have, you know, so you don't have to have WordPress. You could even be using it with Drupal or Joomla or whatever, or, or even just a straight HTML site or whatever. Um, but, uh, with, but generally, you know, most people that I'm going to be working with, they're going to be using WordPress. And what's so great about the Instant ID Manager plugin is that it allows me to do things like uh, not only easy install, uninstall. So for example, when you install the Manager plugin, you know, of course you install it through the WordPress, um, you know, uh, plugins, add new plugin things. So you don't have to, you know, initially use FTP or anything like that. Then once it's installed, you pop in there and you literally click a button uh, you know, install Instant IDE, and it like, magically installs it on your uh, server. And basically, what it's doing is it's moving the Instant IDE directory over to, or copying it over to the root of your WordPress installation. Okay. But what it does, yeah. it actually does it by, but it creates a totally unique subfolder. So it's like IDE dash, and then a, some random, you know, uh, yep. numbers and letters and stuff. And that's just just for security, like yeah, added yeah, yeah, security, yeah. you know, you'll do that with WordPress too. You know, they'll say, don't, you know, you can change the, the WP admin directory, you know, or whatever. So it's just, a, you know, added security measure, but, um, so that does that for you. Um, and then 
Uh, but also what's cool is, and then of course there's a little iframe in there. So in your WordPress dashboard, you can go ahead and create your account, log in, and then and then uh, you can pop it into a new tab and, and work directly off the instant ID uh, itself. But um, what's great is that you can then actually, with a single click, you can say uninstall, and it'll literally remove all the files and, um, and just completely remove it. Uh, and then if later on you want to reinstall it, you just click reinstall. So it's just like with a single click, you can just pop back and forth between actually having it fully installed and having it not installed. So for example, my, my thing with that is like, let's say you're working on a client site and yes, yep. you know you don't mind having it on there while you're working on it, but there's no reason to have this full-blown IDE on there for just you know all the time. So you could literally just remove it with a single click and then maybe you know you come back three months later and with another single click you can have your whole id back up and running but it wasn't there the rest of the time so it's just you know little things like that um uh and then um what was the other thing i was going to say um uh oh yeah the other thing that the manager plugin does is it also allows for auto updates of the ide itself so in other words obviously you can push out um, updates for the Instant ID Manager plugin, but the way it works is that be, so so this is the big thing about Instant ID Manager that's or I'm sorry Instant ID versus like uh, working off of something inside of WordPress. Instant mm. ID is is outside of WordPress, uh, which means that it's not. Uh, in other words, if you start working on a theme or something through Instant ID or editing the functions file and you do some bad code, you leave off a you know semicolon or something and it breaks your site, your WordPress site. You go in there and it's just a white screen of death, you know, um, and you can't <laughs> yep. even get into the dashboard right but your instant ie lives outside of that right. that realm or whatever so you can just keep keep editing you just you know back out of that change and hit save and then your wordpress site comes right back up Brilliant. so that's an, a nice thing but you have the advantage of having it integrated into wordpress so so for example with the manager plugin when i push out an update for the manager plugin if there is a, a new uh, version of instant ide in the manager plugin, it, it basically checks versions of the installed one and what's in the plugin and so on. So when it pulls in that new update, it says, you know, hey, is the um, instant IDE that's currently installed the latest version that is now included with the latest version of instant IDE manager? And if it's not, it goes ahead and just updates it automatically and, and everything like that. So it's 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 a way of, for a while, I was thinking, oh man, this the only thing I don't like about this is that you have to manually yeah. update the, the instant IDE. And then once I had the plugin, not only did it have the easy install, uninstall, but I was able to do the auto updates and stuff. And so it made it much, much better uh, in that regard. So that's kind of um, a general rundown of some of the for some of the basic stuff. But there's a lot of other goodies that are in instant IDE that make it really nice with WordPress. Like there's a site preview. Yep. Uh, with the site preview, what I love is that Anytime you save changes, it automatically refreshes the iframe. So, uh, and it also has these cache busting uh, uh, code for the style sheet. So, for example, let's say you're editing a theme and you're editing its style sheet, um, and you've got in the site preview the front end of that theme or that site with the theme active. Um, you, as you're you know working on it, every time you save your changes, it refreshes, it clears cache, and it it you know gives you whatever the current you know changes. Yep. Um, and then of course, but what's great is it because it's just a simple iframe refresh it does everything so if you update a javascript file or if you update you know your functions file you add you know you change the location of something a custom function that's hooked into something you change the location you change the code or anything like that it just refreshes the iframe and you have whatever that code change did mm -hmm. in real time so what's cool about that is that like 
um, I know for me, I'm not even thinking about when, when I'm, you know, typing away. And of course I've got, you know, with the ID, I've got, you know, the key combinations, you know, like command S for save or control yep. S. Yep. So, you know, you're typing away and, you know, command S and as you're doing it, you're just not thinking about it. And the iframe is just staying current with you. Whereas otherwise you, you know, you're, you, you know, go through, you hit save, you know, go to a different tab, refresh, see their change go yes. back to, the, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So there's that, um, there's also the console that's built in. Um, and the main reason I have that is pretty much just to connect with GitHub. I mean, you can do other stuff with it. I mean, it's a basically a little terminal. Yep. Um, but it the main reason I did it is because I wanted to be able to, like if I'm browsing, you know, like GitHub, uh, you know, uh, applications or whatever, and I want to try something out, I can just copy their little, um, the URL for that, that um, you know, for the app or whatever, and then I can go over to my console, yep. pay, you know, and then type in clone, mm -hmm. paste in the thing, hit enter, and it, it clones it to whatever directory is currently, you know, currently active or whatever through the console. Uh, also, if I'm working on something myself, I can, you know, commit and then pull, you know, and all that kind of stuff, pull and push and everything. So I can totally, you know, uh, you know, do my GitHub, you know, integration and stuff uh, through the console. But other than that, it's not really meant to be used as like a full-blown, you know, uh, digging into the, to the core of your, you know, like logging in as root or anything like right, that. It right, right. Doesn't, doesn't allow you to do any of that stuff. It's just more simple kind of stuff like that. So, and then the other, I know I'm rambling, but there's so that's much great. cool stuff. With, uh, so, so a couple of cool things. Um, one of the things that's really nice about it is you can choose between two different um, uh, editor scripts. So, for example, when you oh, yes. open up a yeah. file, you um, you have the editor, and of course, Ace IDE or Ace ID, Ace Editor is um, is a uh, you know pretty much the most popular, yeah, popular yeah. Uh, editor for sure. You know, Cloud Nine is is the they they basically continue the development of it and everything. Um, but uh, that's got a lot of great things. It's got a lot of great themes, uh, uh, like you know syntax themes and stuff. Uh, it's also got a lot of nice you know um, little features that that are you know built in with that. But also, there's a newer one called Monaco, and that's actually yeah, yeah. the uh, that's uh, that's the um, editor that Microsoft does. So so Microsoft does Visual something Visual Studio, Visual I think. Studio, yeah. Yeah, and 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 so Visual Studio is a pop is there is Microsoft's kind of IDE, and there uh, and the the editor behind that is. Monaco. So I, Monaco is a free, you know, you know, it's totally free as well, just like Ace. So I integrated that as well. So what, what's nice with Monaco is there's um, some, they have some nice, you know, kind of features and stuff as well. And, and so it's kind of like, you know, what your preferences are. One of the things I love about Monaco is it's got the same sublime scroll where you actually yeah. have like a mini version of the, of the thing of the, you know, of your code on the right hand side. And it's a lot easier to just grab the scroll bar and just scroll down and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so you can choose between the two different, um, editors, which is kind of cool. And then there are, you can, you know, pick your themes. You can do a light theme and a dark theme with yep. the entire thing. Yep. And that, that was something I wanted to make sure I really did well. So like if you do light, it's fully light. If you do dark, everything's dark. You know, like even if you upload a file like the the little um uh the little progress bar is dark or light. You know, just everything is just totally streamlined like that. Uh, also some really cool things. The file browser on the left is um uh, you know, full blown file browser, drop, which it's great. It's drag and drop. It's, you know, you can, it's got a context menu so you can right click and, you know, do everything. Uh, what's really cool. I even, in a recent update, I even made it so you can just double click a zip file and it automatically unzips the oh, file. That is nice. Yeah. Right there. And then when you're done unzipping, it pops up in a window and says, would you like to delete the zip file now? And you nice. can say yes or no. 
So it's super streamlined. So for me, for example, um, uh, like let's say you upload a zip file from your computer and then you want to unzip it, you literally just double click it and then and then hit enter on the pop-up because automatically it's going to – actually, I th- you might have to just click it because I think it actually defaults to no to be mm. on the careful side. But anyway, you just double click it. It, unzip it unzips it. You say yes and it automatically deletes the zip file and you've got then the unzipped folder right there. And the reason I did that more than anything is I wanted to make it so you could kind of – supplement it over ftp yeah, like you yeah. know in most cases so uh, the only thing that was lacking was uh was being able to unzip files and and oh actually was being able to uh, upload folders so for example right now you can upload multiple files so you could you could go browse your computer and upload every file inside a folder but you can't upload a folder, folder structure and, yeah Right, you know, like currently. And so what you can do, though, is just zip a folder zip on your computer and then just upload the zip file and yep. then just double-click it and you're done. Nice. So it's just yeah. kind of like, and actually what, what I found, it was actually much faster. If, oh, it will like, be, cloud, lots faster, yeah. Right, so with Cloud9, you can upload an entire directory, but if you've got, you know, 500 files in there, it's like one file at a time. Yeah. It's like FTP. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. takes, you know, it takes sometimes up to a minute or more to wait for it to all upload. Whereas yep. with the zip file, it's instantaneous and it just, you know, so it's, so it's actually kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so the file browsers like, you know, full blown, you know, drag and drop, you know, right click, et cetera. Um, multiple editors you can choose from multiple, you know, themes and stuff and, uh, lots of WordPress integrations as far as things that, you know, are unique to WordPress. And I'm sure I'm missing, uh, other odds. And it's like one thing you can go to the front end of your WordPress site and in the admin bar, if it's displaying, um, you can, uh, there's an instant IDE, uh, little, uh, uh, page up there and you just hover over it and you can either uh, go straight to Instant IDE Manager from there or you can go straight to Instant IDE yep. or you can go straight to Instant IDE with the site preview open. So it'll automatically go to Instant IDE and you know, have the preview open with the front end of your nice. site, yep. you know, ready to ready to start working. Another cool thing is that you can actually um, set your development um, uh what a I guess dev directory or whatever. Yeah. So like, uh, let's say you spend most of your time working in the themes directory or okay. the plugins or, or even a specific theme. That's kind of the most common is let's say you're really working a lot on a specific child theme. You can just go uh, to the options. You can set the uh, relative path to that themes yep. directory and it'll reload. And then the file browser and the console will both default to that as your root. Okay. And so what's cool with that is, you know, then when you pop it open, you're just right there. So yeah. you can, you know, if you want to work on your styles or your functions or scripts or your subfolders of that, it's ready to go. And then if you want to back out, you just have to change your root direct or your dev directory. And it'll refresh and, and go back to, you know, giving you the full WordPress. Yeah. Thing. So go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I can imagine myself just setting the default to be the themes folder and that would, yeah. that would work 99% of the time for me. Exactly. Exactly. Then it's just one click to the theme, yeah. you know, that you work with. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, there's, there's so many different odds and ends, but the, I would say the main thing is when, you know, if somebody's asking me, why would I use this? Why, you know, whatever, you know, one of the things is it's on the server, which does have an advantage. I've had several people tell me that it's been a real kind of uh, a real huge benefit to them because when they're um, traveling or they're in different yeah. places where they can't, there's kind of a um, 
uh, security barrier between, say, uh, uh, you know, a self-hosted kind of ID that's trying to connect from the outside in. Yep. And so being able to go directly, you know, have something that's on the server that's working uh, actually opens up things for them. Um, but also because of the way it's all integrated with WordPress and it's so easy to just, you know, basically install, uninstall and everything like that. And it's, it's updated, you know, automatically and stuff. It just makes it really um, easy to use. And I found my, my biggest test for my stuff is if I naturally start using it because I just find it preferable to other things, that's when I know it's a good thing. So in yeah, other words, yes. like if, if, if I, for, have to kind of force myself to use something then, you know, like, because it's my product and, and well, you know, let's test it out. But then I kind of naturally find myself somewhere else. Then it's either one of two things. It's either just not a great product compared to other products, or it's just something that I'm not, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there might be a product that is for something for maybe somebody like maybe, um, people that don't like to do a lot of coding and it's like, okay, well I might not prefer that because I prefer the coding, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not a great product. But there are other times when it's like, okay, I don't prefer using this because there's this other product that actually does it better. Yeah. And that's that's kind of a test. So for this, I, I found myself like when I'm trying to test something out or, you know, work with something, um, you know, whatever, play with some code. I find myself naturally just looking for instant ID. I'm like, oh crap, it's not installed on this, you know, test site. And so yes. I, you know, I install it and then I'm like, ah, okay, good. And then I start working again. And that, and then I'm like, wait a second, this is actually a, it's a good thing because it means that I'm, you know, I'm finding it to be really uh, useful. So, and I think what I found with instant ID is right now, I think it's going to be a slow burn. I really think it's going to be one of those things that you know, what I found so far, the, the main response that I found is, uh, uh, it's most people are either like, wow, this is really awesome. Or they're, they're somebody that actually is kind of the developer themselves. Mm. And they'll be like, wow, you must've worked hard on this. Like you must've put a lot into this, but I haven't had a ton of people say, you know, like, I can't wait to get my hands on this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, there's a decent amount of people that are already using it. Some people that are like, you know, loving it and everything. Um, but I've had a lot of people say, you know, I don't know if I if I need this yet, but when I do, I'm you know totally gonna you know you know get it or check it out. Uh, or people are like, this looks awesome and I want to use it just because it looks so cool, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. You yes. know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, it and kind this- of it feels a bit like um, an old pair of slippers. You there'll be a lot of people who need to wear out the old pair before they get the new pair, um, right. and they're happy with the environment. And then you know maybe a year down the road when they've changed computers and. They've got to reinstall their IDE. Suddenly, it's the moment. Ah, yeah, I remember. Eric Ham had a had an instant IDE thing that I was going to check out. So let's do it. I, I try to move everything to the cloud. Um, yeah. But but this hasn't happened for me yet. I'm still stuck. But I can I can absolutely guarantee that I have in the past been somewhere where I suddenly needed to use my IDE and I was nowhere near a computer that I owned and so suddenly everything that I needed to do was impossible you know something right. um, something on, on a site had gone wrong some client had mocked about with something and you know like you say the white screen of death and I needed to go in and fix it and if this was installed that would never be a problem and I do love the fact that it's it's your own it belongs to you. The Code Anywhere solution um, presumably works and probably works quite well, but it's not. You don't own it. It's not yours. Um, right. Which is different. How, does it have a database? 
Oh, okay. That's a good question. No, it doesn't. And actually it did at first. Um, at first it did. And, um, I, I kept, it kept bugging me because I was like, it doesn't feel very instant when the first thing you have to do is create a new <laughs> database on your server. And, and so I, uh, I kept playing with it and, you know, playing, you know, checking it out. And so finally I, I, uh, decided on a, uh, file-based login, nice. you know, account, account system. Yep. And, you know, my, my big thing with instant IE was like, and I'll be honest, it really was security. That was my biggest concern because I know that I'm, I'm my, my big check is if I don't feel comfortable having this sit on coboltapps.com for more than like two seconds, then then, you know, I can't, I just, I can't, you can't even, sell it. No. Right. Right. Because, you know, people need to feel, you know, confident that, that this is something that can, that they can use, that they're not worried that, you know, that can easily just be popped into and start using, you know, other people using it or whatever. So my big thing was security. And I started getting really anal about a lot of different stuff. Um, everything from the console to, uh, to the, the login system and, and everything. And my one concern was, okay, is file-based going to be as secure as database. And, um, so I kept going through different stuff and basically, um, and I definitely found the, you know, as far as I know, it definitely is. But so basically the way it all works is you have, um, uh, you basically pop on, you've got the, the account set up and obviously if you install it and then leave it like that and somebody lands on that, that subfolder without the account set up, then that's not a good thing because then they can just create an account. Yeah. But that's the same thing with WordPress. If you just installed yeah. WordPress, but never set it up, then somebody could just set it up and do what they want. So you've got the account setup page and that simply is you just do a, a username and your password. And then all it does is it creates a, 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 uh, f uh, user folder, uh, I'm sorry, user file. And that's, it's all encrypted, whatever. So in other words, if somebody found your, um, if somebody was able to access your user file, they would see your username and then there would be a, an encrypted password that they would, that it's one way. So there's no way they can actually right, right. figure out what it is. And so that doesn't, you know, that doesn't hurt anything. And, uh, but it's all cookie, there's you know, session based and everything. And, 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 you know, there's, um, you know, token based and all that kind of stuff. So you basically create, that account and then when you log in it uh will check everything make sure that you know you're local make sure that you uh you know that your password is correct blah 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 you know it hashes it and all that kind of stuff so it's all it's all set up like that properly it also even has a little built-in um kind of um uh, uh, kind of um, brute force protection where if you fail login more than like five times in a 15 minute period, it'll lock you out for 15 minutes and Good. things like that, Good. you know, stuff like that. And then, uh, but one of the big things was the fact that if you do it through the plugin, it, it, um, uh, the the folder is completely unique. You know what I mean? It's, it's like a, I used, um, I think M, uh, I'm totally blank in with the, uh, some, the algorithm. some prefix with a MB5 ton of random noise at the end yeah 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 exactly sha 256 or whatever it is and so basically the the file name is totally encrypted in a sense so and i've got ht access file built in that that prevents okay. indexing of the of the directories and um and since there are no links going in or out uh, you know that are like outside of the server um there's really no way for you to know that that directory even exists so even if uh you know even beside you like you would first have to know this completely random subdirectory uh and then you would have to get through the session session based login and all that kind of stuff so there's there's multiple layers and then i went even further with the hd access file i commented out a couple different 
further possibilities for security. So for example, you can uncomment a, a, a uh, deny all IPs and then allow your own. So if you nice. just want to make yeah. it so only you, your IP address is allowed, you can do that real easily. And by the way, the Instant ID Manager plugin has the HD Access editor built in. So you can edit the HD Access file for Instant ID through the Manager plugin through your WordPress dashboard. Right. And right. so um, so you can comment that, you know, uncomment that, then just Google what's my IP and then you can paste that in right. and then it'll block everything but your IP. The other thing is it's also got HD password built in. You just uncomment that and then you just simply create an HD password file. I've got all this in the docs. Oh, okay. So um, you know, if you if you were to access it via a, a, a browser, you have to put a, a browser password in. Exactly. Yeah. So you would have to basically, and, and I, that's what I've got with CobaltApps.com just because I'm really anal about no, security. That's good. So, so if you were to go there, you would literally have to first find a random subfolder. Then it would say, then your browser would ask you for a username and password. Then you'd have to get through the session-based login through yeah. there. Um, and then, and by the way, you'd have to have you would have to have my IP. You'd have to spoof my IP address yes. to even make it happen. So yes. anyway, it's just all that kind of stuff. So um, and then even with the uh, the HD access editor, it actually saves your last. Uh, save. So, for example, one of my things was if I delete or if I uninstall Instant IDE and I have some special HD access configuration for security, and then later I reinstall it with the one-click install, the only issue is that well, crap. What about my special yes, configuration? Yes, yeah. So all you have to do is just pop. You click the little HD access button, and then there's a little link that says uh, uh, "Load Last Save" or whatever. You click it, and it basically pulls your last save into the HD access. You save your changes, and then it's back up and running. So exactly it just keeps that one little file. If you were to if you were to delete it through the WordPress plugin, it would delete all the files except for this one kind of um, settings file, if you like. Yeah. Okay. So so the way that works is there's the the HD access backup is just one backup of your HD access file, and that is in the uploads directory. And oh, okay, I, yeah. Initially, I, I, I had it in the plugin. Yeah, initially, I had it in the plugin, but then I'm like, well, crap, that's going to get deleted every time you update. So yes. <laughs> I put that in the uploads directory. Um, and But other than that, the way it does the auto update is um, because the because the login or the account is the accounts is, is um, file based, the way it's got to pull in your uh, user file temporarily. It updates the instant ID files and then it moves it back over. So right. it, it never right, right, keeps right. files in in the plugin, but it does temporarily pull them in uh, when it does an auto update for the instant ID. So. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that that's how it works with FileBase, and it is so it's really cool. So when you delete it, you're literally just removing everything. There's just nothing. Deleting there's no files. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's no trace of Instant IDE at all, um, uh, you know, uh, whatsoever, uh, because it's it's all FileBase. That's so. very cool. Yeah. Just um, what version are you on now? Because when I look at the, your tutorial videos on the site, we're on 1.0.0. Is are we have we advanced beyond that? Yeah, we're I think at 1.0.3. Okay. And 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 what I've added, I've added the double click on zip. I've added uh I moved the uh, I think the HD access backup um you know and a couple other odds and ends. I th oh, I I did fix um like for example the drag and drop in the um file browser was um really sensitive so i was accidentally dragging stuff in the wrong place or or even dragging stuff when i just meant to click and so i added a little delay with that okay, so yeah. So that's a lot smoother, and yeah, just just little refinements for the most part. Other than you know, do you have um, do you have like a roadmap of things that you want to put in? you know, over the next six months or so. Well, so this is a, this would be a good kind of segue. So so I did do a, a roadmap post on just Cobalt Apps 
stuff in general, products in general, uh, about a, you know two weeks ago or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And, and so that lays out a general roadmap. And and I wanted to mention that real quick. But I'll, but as far as the Instant ID roadmap, I, roadmap, I don't have anything in place right now. I've had several people ask about that. And I basically, once I have a little more clarity of kind of future stuff, I will do that. I'll tell you one thing I'm playing with is um, some pre-processing for uh, CSS and probably eventually Ooh. JavaScript as well. But um, right now, the, the problem with it is that if you're familiar with any of the pre-processing like SAS or LESS or any, you know, um, uh, any of those kinds of things, most of them are based on having Node Node.js, yep. uh, you know, installed on your server. And then not only that, it's got to you've got to have the the um, uh, you've got to have, you know, kind of the uh, permission set up a certain way sometimes to actually have it work and everything. So it just it's one of those things where that's kind of outside the realm of the IDE itself and more kind of your server configuration. So it's kind of hard to guarantee something's going to work depending on your environment. So yeah. I don't want to just be, you know, push something out that like kind of only works in certain circumstances. The one thing I found is there's something called CSS Crush, which is actually a PHP based preprocessor. And that works perfectly because you just, you just have the files in there and then you, you can just kind of configure it to work with certain uh, style sheets or you can configure it through the settings and then it'll just, you can, I was even, been thinking about taking freelancer and creating a pre-processed pre-processor or whatever um uh style sheet of its style sheet and then you know you can have variables and mix-ins and all that kind of stuff and so just thinking about playing with that but that, that's just something i'm kind of playing yep. with right now because people have been asking about it um but i will once i kind of get a better idea i was my answer to that was really just i'm just trying to get uh, make sure the instant ID as it's the, the foundational launch is totally rock solid. And then once I've kind of gotten there and I think it pretty much, pretty much is already, but like once we're kind of past that, then we'll, I'll start looking at kind of, you know, that kind of thing. So I'll probably push something out, uh, soon, but, uh, or at some point, but as far as the general roadmap, I was just going to mention, um, I've been doing a real revamp of a lot of the products because one of the things that I did, uh, you know, over the many years, it's kind of been a mishmash of products and, you know, this one does this and this one does this and this, and, uh, you know, they don't, you know, this one already has this kind of feature yes, built in, so yes. I, I don't really need both. And, and so what I'm trying to move toward is eventually having all of my kind of current and like active products be things that, that you could literally have every single product I have installed or for the most part and have each one do its own thing and not really kind of feel like, well, this kind of does the same thing as this. Yeah, and no, things to like that. no toe treading. Right, right, exactly. So I'm kind of working toward that. That doesn't mean I'm going to deprecate products that do share features um, for the most part. I mean, like, you know, Dynamic has a lot of, you know, has extender basically built in and things like that. It just means that I will be creating new products that will, you know, basically mean that my my newer product set will be more independent and kind yeah. of know uh that kind of stuff and so you know i'm you know working on that i'm working on a um kind of a dynamic-esque uh plug-in um for genesis and freelancer uh that will basically just be directly building the child theme and so instead of like having to export a child theme when you're done it's just you could it's just always act it's always building off of the child theme so oh, okay if, yep. at any point in time you could just deactivate the plug-in and your all your customizations are still in there because it's all just building a child theme, you know. Yes, yes, uh, yes. You know, things like that. So just basically trying to make, uh, you know, take kind of the concepts that I've always worked with uh, and just improve on them and make them more intuitive and uh, and just kind of make them, you know, more like work well together. And uh, I'm, I'm I guess I'm a little I'm ready to kind of have it so 
new customers can feel like not not feel so much like you know should I buy this or should I buy this if you know this kind of has this already built in yeah, so do I really I know what you mean. this you know and you know because I know D- Dynamic and Extender kind of shared that a lot and so there were there was reasons to have both but sometimes it was kind of like eh. so I was just kind of you know working working toward that and um you know uh yeah. kind of figure out from there so there is your 2018 in a nutshell <laughs> yeah pretty Sim- much. simplify your product product lineup yeah that's great oh well it's fantastic um as i said to you before we started we sort of shortened these little interviews a little bit so if it's okay with you i'm going to say um that we'll, that we'll end it there but um sure. yeah fantastic product I, I really do need to play with it because it sounds to me like um honestly something that i would as soon as i've made the jump then i'm going to be using it all the time to be honest i only do wordpress now but the little comment that you made at the beginning about it being suitable for html or joomla or drupal um that seems like an interesting um possible niche for you as well you know to get into those communities and and grow your audience in a completely new and interesting way yeah, yeah, no, there's definitely that possibility for sure. One thing I was going to mention, uh, real quick, I know time is short. Um, just uh, that I think one of the things about Instant IDE, and the reason I think it's going to be a slow burn, but the reason I think it does um, have a real place, uh, especially as we move forward, I do think we're in a crossroads. And I think we mentioned this before, I don't remember totally, um, but where we are at this place where um, because of things like Beaver Builder and all these, you know, drag and drops mm. and everything like that, we've got more and more people that are saying, this is awesome. You know, I can do so much more, you know, in such less time. And then they're realizing, oh, wait, and so can so many other people that used to actually have a more of a skill set in yeah. development yeah. can do it. And all of a sudden it's becoming a very crowded marketplace. And I think what we're starting to see is more and more people recognizing the real advantage of, of taking your kind of game up to that next level to where you are not just a you know uh you know page you know a page builder master you're actually a developer who uses a page builder for their for their benefits but also when they need to you can pop over and into your ide yeah. and actually start custom coding and things like that that's going to give you know kind of help you stand above that that crowd and i think what instant ide is going to find its place in is more and more people realizing that they're going to need to be able to dig into the code more and when that time comes having some Something that's really accessible to the WordPress, you know, developer, I think is a real advantage than to having to kind of really jump outside and kind of find something, you know, that's kind of completely on its own. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of where I see it uh, moving toward over time. No, I, I genuinely feel it's, it's a totally, a, I'm really glad that you've built it. It feels like uh, something that somebody should have done a long time ago. And in, in a sense, I'm surprised that nobody did. Um, and when you suddenly came out with the announcement that it was in beta testing and I had a look at your tutorial videos and everything, I thought, boy, I mean, w- why didn't this happen years ago? So yeah, I am absolutely sure that over the course of 2018, it'll become a a real necessity um, for lots of people. It kind of feels to me like one of those things that I've got a suite of plugins, which as soon as I start a WordPress install, they just go straight in. Right. Like, like an install profile, really. And it kind of feels to me that if I was to jump onto this bandwagon, it would be, you know, plugin number three or something. Right. Straight in, no messing, everything's familiar. I guess you could even, oh, no, maybe you couldn't. I was going to say you could throw your modifications file over as well and make it, look like all the other variations that you've got installed around the web um right right yeah yeah well anyway thank you for coming on and talking to us i i sure. wish you well we're recording this on the 28th of december it's not going to be going out on that date but I'll, i'm going to wish you a happy new year even if that's complete nonsense yeah. when it's released 
Sure, you too, man, definitely. Thank you very much. Thanks, Eric. And the ending fact or term this week is going to be the acronym SVG, which stands for Scalable Vector Graphics. Now, I just looked this up, actually, because I was interested in it. Um, Wikipedia has got quite a nice um, write-up on it. And you probably know the difference between um, a vector and a rastered image. A vector is kind of... um, curves and lines describing something so it's perfect for things like fonts because that's exactly what they are they're curves and lines and the the beauty of that is the more you zoom in the the greater the, the detail that's presented in other words they don't degrade the, the the closer you get in so they always look smooth at the edges because it's a curve described by maths um whereas a, a rastered image the, the quality degrades the, the closer you get in so Rastered images are perfect for uh, photographs, um, whereas vectors are perfect for fonts and things like that. Now, there's a sort of recent trend recently, you know, to make SVG logos because it's nice Mm. that, you know, it doesn't matter how big you stretch that logo or how small you compress it, the quality is still the same. And a lot of logos do incorporate curves and paths and things like that. But having just read um, uh, an article by bjornjohnson.no, the uncomfortable, no, SVG uploads in WordPress, the inconvenient truth, um, tells me that actually SVGs are not image formats. They are document formats. And that's why they're not natively allowed in the WordPress uploader, because they actually bring along with them all sorts of fun stuff, like the potential to do scripting. There are ways around it, fairly simple ways around it. But um, yeah, you can cause all sorts of problems by embedding scripts inside of an SVG, which is why it's not allowed. Did you know any of that, David? I knew a lot of that, but I'm not using them, and I feel bad about it. Mm. I was just talking to Adam Lacey, actually. Do you do you use them for your logos? I tried doing one the other day um, because mm. I thought I'd like to do it. And actually, do you know what stopped me? It wasn't the inability to upload it. It was the ability to create the blessed thing. Um, and I gave up after about 15 minutes thinking, well, do you know what? I've got it as a PNG and it's working perfectly. And I, I couldn't figure out a, a, a good way of exporting an SVG file in the software that I use. So that that's actually what stopped me. But if it's got scripting by default and it can't be switched mm. off, it kind of feels to me like this maybe will not become the logo, uh, the logo of choice in the future. I don't know. Yeah. seems a lot of people are heading that way logos and and yeah. you know often when you've got responsive issues with your fonts needing to change you know svgs or it's always been shouted out now yeah. as the way to deal with that but yeah well only time mm. will tell there you go right so svg scalable vector graphics thank you for joining us on this episode of the wp builds podcast i'm nathan wrigley and i'm david Walmsley. And the cheesy music will be fading in. Somebody posted the other day, I can't remember who it was in the Facebook group, saying, you've changed the cheesy music at the end. And I pointed out kindly that actually we change it every week and it's as (laughs) awful as we can possibly manage. And, And here it is. So goodbye. Bye.